0: Yo, yo, what up, what up? Welcome to the WTF Should I Do It My Life podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Sokol, and this podcast is all about helping you live with greater levels of success, purpose, and authenticity while being strategic about the unique challenges and opportunities that exist today. If you've reached the top of the mountain in life only to find that you didn't quite get what you were looking for, or you're on the way to the top of the mountain and kind of realize, you know what? I don't think this is where I'm meant to be and I'm craving that deeper fulfillment and purpose while well, you are in the right place. Because these interviews are designed to bring more clarity, more confidence, and more inspiration into your life so that you can live with the fulfillment you desire and perform better in all the areas that matter most to you. So today's interview is with Greg Faxon. Greg is a business coach who helps entrepreneurs unleash their full potential. He's the author of Don't Let Fear Get in the Way, subtitled How to Get Out of Your Own Way and Grow Your Business Fast, And you can learn more about Greg at gregfaxon.com, where he explores the intersection of entrepreneurship and personal development. I've personally enjoyed watching Greg rise up over the last year or two and to see all that he's creating in the world. And today we talk about the inner game of success. If you know me, you know that I spend a lot of time helping people with their inner game. So me and Greg share a passion for that and we talk about a success formula for increasing your performance. We talk about how to overcome creative avoidance so that you can flourish. We explore how to work with your fear so you can break free to that next level, and also how to increase success by decreasing attachment. Those are some of the many things we jump into today. Let's get into it. Greg, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Great to be here. Thanks, Jacob.
0: Yeah, dude. Well, I'm stoked to connect with you. It's been fun and inspiring to get to know you a bit more in the last year or two. And uh, and I love what you're up to in the world. I love who you are and the journey that you're on and also the journey that you help other people go on. So today, uh, today I'd love to unpack your new book. Don't let the fear win, which is subtitled "How to Get Out of Your Own Way and Grow Your Business Fast." And I know that not everyone listening uh, has a business, nor should they have a business, but I believe that many of the principles from your book apply to people really wherever they are. Um, so before we before we jump too far into that, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your backstory and you know how did you come to be where you are now, which is coaching um, high-achieving entrepreneurs?
1: Uh, Great question. Before I dive in, I just want to let you know I'm grateful for you. And as I was coming up, um, and, and I know that you know this, but I remember there was a moment when I was starting my business and I was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to have kind of like a site and support network for people who are really trying to figure out like who they are and how to translate that into the way that they live? I'm like, that would be awesome. And Mm I did a search and found you very quickly. And I was like, that's awesome that you did that. And like, I'm going to let him do that because he's doing an awesome job. So like, uh, totally resonated with the stuff that you put out. And it's it's great to be talking to you now. So, okay. So how did I get into it? Well, I guess the biggest piece for me, because, and I know that not all of your audience is going to Want to even have their own business or have one, and so this stuff really is universal. What I cover in the book, and for me, it's not. It wasn't even about entrepreneurship. It was always about how do I become kind of the a champion version of myself. You know, how do I just become uh, the best in the world at what I choose to do? You know, in my little version of world, in my little version of whatever that is, and you know that started from when I was. You know, I have a memory of when I was a little kid and I was in the backyard of. Our house you know, I was like on the lawn it's probably I don't know six or seven years old and I had a soccer ball and I was trying to hit it from to touch my foot and then to touch my knee and then head the ball like it was just a silly thing that I just had an idea I wanted to do and I just couldn't get it and I remember I was out there for hours and hours and hours the Sun was going down my mom was like dinners on the table and I just had to get this thing and I remember getting so frustrated that um that I just started, like, tearing up as I did it. And I would hit my foot and then my knee, but I wouldn't head the ball. And finally, after, like, I was probably out there for, like, an hour or two trying to get this thing, and I finally got it. And I felt so good. And that's a really silly example, but I think that's kind of what I've been doing for most of my uh, career, whether it was in school and then building this business, is I just really like to put myself in situations where, uh, you know, I, I feel like I can't do something and then see how to kind of grind that out. And over time, i found a kind of a more effortless way to do that from what we're taught usually growing up and kind of a high achieving Western ideology. Um, but those are the people I love to work with. And it, those just happen to be entrepreneurs most of the time because people who go out and want to stake their future and their income on the work that they put in. Uh, that's, that's really appealing to me and those are the people I like to hang around with, but you can find those people in all types of careers. So I guess that's kind of a, without getting into even the coaching side, that's kind of how I, how I'm defining myself in this moment of, um, the type of person that I am and the type of people who I like to hang out with.
0: Hmm. Cool, man. And, and what I really loved is kind of seeing you embody, what you just spoke about over the last few years kind of coming out of nowhere and then just seeing the relentless focus and and um, persistence and dedication toward creating something that you were inspired to create and living in alignment with what mattered most to you. So seeing that un- unfold is cool. And, and the book is kind of the, the latest iteration of that. Um, you start off the book and you mention a, a formula that uh, it seems that much of, of your work if not the book, is based on. Could you tell us a little bit about that formula and uh, how we can unpack and apply that in our own life?
1: Sure, yeah. So this is something that I came across, this formula, essentially for optimal performance. And I came across it first as a wrestler, first as an athlete. And in high school and in a bit of college, I was really serious wrestler. I ended up becoming an All-American, and that was my whole universe. It was kind of like you know, for, I think for people who are high achievers, they probably have something that they went really deep into at some point and it just consumed them. And sometimes to to your detriment, to the detriment of your health or your relationships. And wrestling was that first time where I just became obsessed with something. And what I would notice is that sometimes I would face the same guy twice in a season, would have a totally different outcome. I remember this one guy, uh, his name was uh, Robert Butts, I think. And I faced him and in, uh, I think it was my sophomore year of high school in one tournament and we're in a wrestling match and, uh, I'm, I realize as I'm talking that I'm not answering your question, but we will get to the equation. <laughs> so I'm facing him in a wrestling match, right? And it's the finals of a winter tournament. And I just totally took it to him. I felt totally on my game, totally in the zone and i tech falled him, which is when you, you know, score so many points, they basically stop the match. Fast forward to the end of the year. This is the end of the year tournament. This is New England championships. This is kind of like what everyone talks about, what everyone trains for. I faced this guy, same guy, but right in the semifinals. And I was seated first for the tournament. I, my coach actually right before the match, he was like, basically, this is your tournament to lose, right? Which is like he was trying to be motivating, but that was basically the worst thing I could have heard at that time because I put a lot of pressure on myself. And so I noticed that I was wrestling really tight. I went out on the mat, and I, I just wanted to get the – I was so attached to the outcome that um, I tried to move. It didn't work, and I kept trying the same move, and I started to kind of freak out. Eventually, I, I took it – I took a shot, and he pancaked me, which is wrestling when someone kind of pushes you back, when you're taking a shot and you land on your back. And uh, he starts scoring back points, so the ref starts swiping, you know, one, two, three – and um, I didn't get pinned, but he's up, you know, like five zero now. And I just totally got knocked off my game psychologically. And so that was, I, I remember walking behind the stands. You know, I didn't, I got knocked out of, you know, the first place bracket at that point. And just, again, just bawling my eyes out, right? So I, I guess like there's a theme here of me just crying, um, but <laughs> walk behind the stands. And I remember I thought to myself, I, I, I realized in one moment, okay, I faced this guy a couple months ago. Right, we didn't fundamentally change our conditioning. It wasn't like he went and learned 20 new moves. Right, but he was a different guy, and I was a different guy too, that showed up on the mat. And so, what was that about? Right, and so I started to realize how much of performance was inner game. Right, I know you talk a lot about that, but how much of performance is inside out is. Um, I had been thinking certain thoughts. I had been putting certain pressures on myself and that made me wrestle totally different than earlier in the season when I was just free flowing and flexible of mind. So right?
0: so, so let me ask here and you can remember where you were going with that if you want to get back to that. But I want to yeah. jump in because so here was something that you clearly wanted to win. I had no doubt about it. You trained for it like this felt like this is what you're here to do is to win and How would you approach that situation now? Right back then, it seemed like you were a little bit attached to the outcome, if not a lot attached to the outcome. And what would you do differently now if you were in that same situation, wanting the same thing? How would you play it differently?
1: Sure. So, yeah, two two pieces there. The first is... Answering your original question, which is what's that equation that we tease people with? So this is something that I came across when I really started to dig into sports psychology, which was introduced by Timothy Galloway, who wrote kind of one of the original sports psych books saying, okay, it's actually not just the physical skills, but there's also mental skills. And it's now been applied to business and all different kinds of things. But it's performance equals potential minus interference. right, performance equals potential minus interference, which basically says, your potential is unlimited, your potential to give your gifts, your potential to perform it, your peak is unlimited. All you can really do is interfere with that, right? So the amount of potential that you have minus the amount that you interfere with the natural unfolding of that potential is what the level that you're performing at. And that was a huge insight for me because I hadn't, I had thought that success was kind of something, it was additive, it was something to to get, right, to achieve instead of subtractive. Right and that was a huge shift for me because once I realized you can only really interfere with this thing totally changed how I um how I viewed performance. So the second piece how I would approach it now is I have a mantra which I wish I had known back then which is high intention, low attachment. Okay so high intention, we want to have that desire, right? Like everyone I know who is highly successful is hungry. There's something that they want. There's something that they really care about and they have a really clear intention, a really clear vision of that thing that they want to create for themselves. So that's great. Nothing wrong with that. And often in in Eastern traditions and Buddhism, sometimes desire people think it's looked down upon, although like that's not really what they're saying. They're saying don't become attached to things. And that's where the low attachment comes in, which is I had a high desire going into that match, right? I wanted to win the tournament. But I was I was grasping at it. I was so attached to that thing. I was holding it so tightly um, that I, I crushed it, right? And so I think that having high intention is great. I think that I would have told myself to let go of the outcome and just focus on the process. So just let, let go of the outcome, focus on the process, focus on what you can control. And that would have uh, I think that would have just been hugely um, just have been a huge release for me of pressure if I had found a way to let go of that attachment. And to take it a bit further, I'm giving you a lot here, but to take it one step further, it's like how do you let go of that attachment, right? Well, one piece is focus on the process, which I mentioned. So anything that you're feeling like you want to achieve and you're getting that sense of um, really attached to this result, so for me, I get headaches. Like when I am when I have a lot of attachment to something, when I really want my business to go a certain way, I'll notice I start getting kind of like tension headaches and that's my signal. Um, It's usually the attachment usually comes from I have some sort of feeling like I'm not good just as I am Right, like when I was young and wrestling, you know in middle school and high school That's an age where you're very insecure. Like you I, I thought that winning made me better as a human I felt like if I won and I got praise people would perceive me fundamentally differently and, um, and so I put a lot of pressure on that because if you feel like your self-worth is tied to a result, you're going to constantly be going on an up and down, right? And this is something entrepreneurs experience a lot, you, you know, total highs, total lows just based on getting a client or losing a client. And so if you're staking your self-worth on a result, that's going to be really stressful and that's when you are going to be attached. So a lot of the creating low attachment is coming back to being whole in the moment as you are, but still excited about achieving the thing that you want to achieve.
0: I used to stake my self worth on when walking down the street in Times Square, if a pretty woman would look at me when she walked by. And I would say, like, if she, like, kind of looked up after she looked at me, right? Then I'd be like, I'm crushed. Or if she would, like, touch her hair or something, I'd be like, I'm the man. Uh yeah. so yeah I have no idea what you're talking about with that one.
1: Yeah no as as you should have. Yeah. As, <laughs> as
0: so 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 how do you help people with this, right? So so for everyone who's listening, entrepreneur or not, I think there is a lot of narrative in our culture, maybe unconsciously even, that I need to not be a failure because if I'm a failure, then that means, or or I need to not fail because if I fail, that means I'm I'm a failure. failure. There's something wrong with me. So for people who are listening who may not even have realized that that's operating in the background a little bit, what advice or what guidance can you give to work with that?
1: So I think the first step is just awareness of of the truth of what you just said. Because if you if you feel like if you fail, you actually are a failure, that becomes your identity, then any of the strategies we can give people aren't really gonna work. And one of the ways you can verify that that's true is think about a goal that you really pursued and you got it. Something you worked really hard for, it could be in school, a relationship, in your health, in your business, and you got the thing. And the question I would ask you is, Did you become a fundamentally different person? Did you feel that sense of peace or well-being that you thought would come from it? And did you feel that in a lasting way? Right. So when I went tournaments in wrestling, I felt great that night. You know, I felt I felt great maybe the day after Mm -hmm. I was on a high. It's just that I didn't it didn't affect me the way I was convinced it would. And so this is the trap we fall into chronically. Right. It's like, for entrepreneurs I talk to who are, you want to get six figures or something like that, it's like you'll still bring the same shitty you to the six figures, right? If you don't, if you don't change the kind of how you are now, that's a place to come from, not a place to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so it's like
0: wherever you go, there you are.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. So that's a more, <laughs> more articulate way of saying it. So um, yeah, I think that that's something to look at and really accept, okay, is, is the outcome going to make me whole? And once you realize that it doesn't, and if you've had the experience that it doesn't, then we can start to talk about, okay, how do you become whole now? And I think that the best thing I've found for that is to, uh, I mean, gratitude is huge. I know you're a huge proponent of that, but that's kind of where I started, is just noticing, kind of just asking the question, okay, why are things fine? if they nev- Why would I be fine if, if nothing ever changed? What do I have in this moment? And some of the times when I felt most at peace, felt, you know, the greatest sense of well-being wasn't actually when I achieved that huge goal. It was just when I was kind of in the process and I was like, this is great. Like, I really feel like I'm using my skills in a certain way. I have a great relationship. I have health to be grateful for. And so I think that coming from that place, it can allow you to be a little bit more level-headed, a little bit more flexible in mind when you're pursuing goals. Um, beyond that, I think it's hard to give a general prescription for people who are listening, right? Like that's kind of the deep work that we do as coaches. A lot of times is helping people let go of that attachment so that they can actually get it easier. Right. Cause that's the irony. As soon as you kind of let go of it, it comes right to you. And an example, you know, cause that's a little bit philosophical. An example is like, think of dating, right? Like, um, before, you know, my, my fiance and I were together, it was like, I would always notice if I felt, really attached to something happening with women, it would be the worst. Like that's when you become really needy, right? If you have high intention, high attachment, that's like the worst date to go on. Are you talking you about can... getting laid? <laughs> Dude, you know, yes. And any real, any human relationships. Think about even in clients, right? I mean, think about in getting clients, right? It's the same thing. Like we want high intention, low attachment. That's the most powerful way that we can connect with people. Um, And those people are the ones that just come off as confident and they don't need a certain result. And uh, yeah, so I I lost track of the question a bit, but I I think gratitude is a big one. Gratitude for just the present moment exactly as it is.
0: Yeah, I I love that gratitude. And just being in the present moment is another thing. And I think that's what gratitude enables us to do. It's when we're in these stories in our mind about, oh, if I don't get this thing, then it'll mean this about me, and then it'll lead to XYZ, Armageddon apocalypse, etc. It's like, you know, holy shit. Uh, and and I think we all can fall into that at times. And some people might say, oh, that's just the way I am. That's the way my mind works. And to that I say, that's bullshit. That's just the way that your mind is conditioned. That's just the habit, the neurological pathway that's been built over and over again and when you choose to as greg says you know choose gratitude or connect to the present moment you start to build new structures in your brain that then become the new default pathways Um, so this is yeah super helpful stuff anything else come up as far as um, connecting people to a place where they feel whole and complete where there isn't such a high stake sort of say on the outcome
1: so, yeah, I mean the big thing that I would and this is going a little bit even deeper into it This is one of the things I talk about in the book But I mean let's talk about fear here because that's one of the huge killers if we're talking about interference in that equation mm-hmm. Fear is one of the huge or, or how you react to fear is one of the huge types of interference that can You know get in the way of performing at your fullest at you performing at your potential and it's interesting because as we talk about this I didn't come into this world of like, for example, meditation, gratitude from I just want to be happier. Like, I definitely want a great sense of well-being. I want to be happy. That's like the most important thing to me. But I actually came just from the performance world. I want the big bucks. Yeah, I just want to do better. I want to make more money. I want to help more people. I want to get in a better relationship. I want to get health. Like, I just wanted to have results. And I just found that that was actually the best way to do both, right? All the stuff that we're talking about now, but I fought it for so long because I kind of thought like, oh, that would... That's kind of like the take it easy approach. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's exactly what I needed. So, to answer your question, okay, so if fear is your biggest kind of opponent, right, if fear is the biggest thing that's separating you from the things that you want typically, then we got to talk about where that fear comes from, right? And how I talk about it is there's a little you and there's a big you, right? So, like little Greg hangs out in my. like kind of like in my sternum type area. And I can feel it because that's where I feel butterflies. If I'm thinking about, I don't know, think about anything that really scares you, that's something that you want. Like if you want to speak in front of 10,000 people, if you want um, you know, to ask someone out who you're really attracted to, right? Like wherever you feel that anxiousness, that fear, that's where little you lives, right? So for me, it's in the same place every time. And a lot of people are... are uh, What is it? Our wired reaction, the reaction we've cultivated over time because we know that that sometimes gets in the way of what we want is just to push it, either ignore it or push it down and try to get rid of it, Um, which I found is uh, really an intuitive way to react, but isn't actually the most productive way to react Um, because what happens is the thing comes out uglier, right? So if you think about it like you had a kid or if you don't have a kid, think about little you like your dog right, or your pet. So like, if your dog was barking or if your kid was crying, like, well, actually, sometimes I tell my dog to shut up. But if your kid was crying, you wouldn't just put the kid in the closet and be like, shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear what you're saying. You would be like, OK, what's going on? You would make them feel taken care of. That wouldn't necessarily mean that you always listen to the kid all the time. Right. And that you just sat in the house ate, eating Reese's all day. On, right. Like it, you don't need to necessarily listen to that fear um, and do what it says. But you do need to acknowledge it. And so I found to cultivate that relationship with little you where when you get scared, you're like, okay, what's that about what's coming up? And whether it's through meditation or through taking a walk or asking questions or coaching or whatever process works best for you, if you're able to just get a sense of like, okay, I feel you there and really get uh, in touch with the sensation in your body, that can be really helpful because usually just that awareness melts it away naturally. And that, then you have actually let it process yeah. through instead of having it come out uglier in, in different ways.
0: That's so good. I, I never heard the distinction quite put like that as far as when you are going to more of the source of where that fear comes from, the little you as you're calling it, the distinction between listening to the commands of the little you versus mm, making yeah. the little you feel safe.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because you can't, I mean, so you can't get rid of little you right? I mean, this, this kind of kid version of you, you're just going to have that. So it's how do we deal most productively and in the most loving way with it. And because big you is all set. Like big you is a badass. Big you is accomplishing great things in the world, knows how to be productive, is, pre- is prepped for all of this. But little you isn't, little you can't handle if I'm getting on a sales call. Like mm-hmm. little you isn't so down with getting on an interview all the time, right? because it's not prepared. It's like a three or four year old kid. And so I need to take care of it, but I don't need to let it dictate all of my actions. And And so, so so what are
0: some of the ways that you do take care of it? You mentioned kind of feeling the sensation in your body and allowing yourself to experience it instead of pushing it away. Anything else as far as how to take care of little you?
1: Uh, So that's the biggest one. That's the most direct route is if you can really cultivate a way of um, and, you know, for people who have done more or less inner work, it'll be easier or harder. Some people it helps to get this facilitated. But um, the most direct way is just to deal with it head on. Now, the other approach is kind of the feel the fear and do it anyway kind of tactic. Right. And sometimes that's helpful, too. Like sometimes bravery is an output and not an input. Right. So Pam Slim, who's kind of in our world, talks about this a lot. So people think that they have to feel a certain way, like, okay, once I feel brave, then I'll go do the thing. But oftentimes it just comes from just doing the thing anyway. And then we start to cultivate a different relationship with little you, which is like you're not totally going to be controlling this all the time, even though I see that you're there. So bravery is often an output. It's like when people say, well, it's, it's like if you said, well, I don't you know, I don't like to go to the gym because every time I get on the treadmill, I get out of breath. It's like, dude, that's why we're telling you. That's why we're telling you to get on the treadmill. Right. Mm -hmm. Fitness is an outcome. It's not an input. So you're expecting that you're going to be fit. So no one would ever do that in terms of going to the gym. But that's often how we operate in our careers, in our businesses, in our relationship of, oh, like once I feel like I'm prepped for this, then I'll go make that move. And it's like, no, man, you got to exercise that muscle for it to grow. Yeah, I love that.
0: The way that uh, I heard from Brian Johnson, who's a mentor of mine, uh, he said feelings follow actions. And so it's like, oh, you don't feel like working out. You don't feel good. You don't feel like working out. Who cares? Go work out and you'll feel better as a result of it. And I see a lot of people who are waiting for confidence before they do the thing they really want to do. And I, I found with confidence, with clarity, it works the same way. It's like you don't need confidence in order to do the thing that you want do the thing that you want a few times, you'll develop competence, right. getting better at it. And as right. a result, you'll then get confidence. The same thing with clarity. It's like, oh, I need clarity before I take action. And it's like, no, you start taking action. You'll start totally. from that momentum, you'll start to be able to see things that you couldn't possibly see when you're sitting still or stuck in your head. So I love the way you put that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for people who want to go deep into the the kind of science piece of this, I think it's self-perception theory, right? Daryl Byrne talked about that of, um, feelings follow actions, not the other way around. So I love that. That's, that's a great way to say it. One of the things as you were talking that I just, if my kind of former self is listening that I wish I had known is when you talked about cl- like, excuse me, clarity comes from confidence, right? Not the other way around. And I remember when I was kind of on the edge of wanting to, I knew that what I was doing at the time for me, it was, I was in a job I didn't love. I knew that what I was doing at the time wasn't what I was meant to do. And that was really painful, but I also had a lot of fear of jumping out into the unknown because when you jump out into the unknown, you don't know what you could gain. You can only know what you'll lose, right? Because that's the only thing that you can actually quantify that's there now. Mm. Um, And so I had a lot of fear. And I guess what I've realized in the aftermath is like you're already suffering, dude. Like you're, you're suffering now already. So you might as well get a reward for it. Like you may as well be suffering doing the thing that fills you up, even if it scares the shit out of you, because right now you feel dead. And I got to tell you, Jacob, like just to be real, like this week, I went through like probably five up and downs in the course of a few days. Like I felt like this is awesome. I'm totally this is exactly why I do this. This is what I'm meant to do. I love my work. And then I went through phases where I'm like, maybe I shouldn't do any of this. And this Mm -hmm. is that's a totally common entrepreneurial experience. And it's crazy how that can shift in a matter of hours, you know, and it's nuts. And the thing that I just try to keep in mind is it's, it sucks and then it doesn't suck. So you just gotta know that it's gonna be, sometimes it's gonna suck, sometimes it's gonna be awesome. And that's just the natural flow, especially if you're in a career that's, um, that's really emotionally taxing, like entrepreneurship can be, um, is just to get like, okay, that's natural. That doesn't mean something's wrong when I'm in a dip, part. It just means like, oh, this is just the work. Like, this is why I'm getting paid more than the person who has just the job that they go to, right? And I'd much rather have that in the life that I construct and the business that I construct than kind of flatline just right underneath my, um, my tolerance or my happiness level, which is kind of how I felt before this. I'd rather have the experience of, of living, of being alive yeah yeah well i
0: appreciate your transparency and and kind of two things come up as you share that one it's really cool to hear you put that in in some way and i see this with a lot of people who are afraid to take action and leave that job or or make the move that they're inspired to make um the the there's a fear for why they don't want to take that it's like, oh, if I take that, then I'll end up in this situation, and if they actually look closely, they're already in some version of that situation right now, right. so yeah, it's well like said. yeah, it's like, oh, if I go out there and you know then i um I talk to the to the woman who i'm I'm really attracted to and and she reject and she says no then i'll be rejected, and it's like, oh, if you're rejected, then then what they're like, oh then I'll be lonely, and it's like, so what are you right now <laughs> <laughs> they're like, uh, right. lonely." <laughs> Yeah. Right. Nothing so, to lose. Totally. And and I find that's not just with dating, it's with, you know, jobs and money and just like almost tons of situations. Uh and then the other thing as far as, you know, signing up to be an entrepreneur, like, yeah, brother, like, I know it, right? That's just part of the journey. It's the ups, the downs, the ins, the outs. And to to wish it away to to hope it wasn't there or won't be there, I find is foolish. It's almost like you wanna be in love, you wanna you wanna have a, a soulmate type of relationship. Well, part of love is heartbreak. It's just how it is. Like you're gonna have your heart if you're in love, which we all want more than anything, like you're gonna be heartbroken at some point. It's just part of being in love. See, the person who you're with will do something, you'll say, Oh my god, how could you have done that? You'll be you know, your heart will break in a way, or you'll grow old together and live forever, and then they'll die before you die. And you'll be heartbroken. And so with entrepreneurship, it's the same shit. It's like you're going to have these moments of ups and downs. And I think so much of the journey in entrepreneurship, in life, in relationships, is just recognizing when we're in that state, when it is more of that primal fear or emotion that's kicking in and just recognize. oh okay cool this is happening right now now is not the time to be making decisions about my life yeah like yeah. if i'm in fear this is the time where i want to do anything but think and that might mean going <laughs> to exercise going to have sex going to do like whatever it is that's going to get you out of your head and into your body going to have <laughs> totally <laughs> and uh and you know, to each his own being in nature, whatever you going for a yeah. swim in the East River here in New York, whatever you want to do um and so and so, I love that, I love that for you, you know you're just honest about here's where I am this week and and it's just part of the journey
1: yeah i and that just resonates so so clearly with me, what you just said, because I remember um my last year of wrestling i had the last year I wrestled in college, I just was cutting a lot of weight. I felt terrible. I was doing okay, but not as well as I wanted to do. I remember calling my mom and I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. And she's like, I don't care. Like, I don't want to hear your doubts because right now you're in the middle of the season and you have no objectivity. You haven't eaten in five days. You know, it's like, how about you write those thoughts down and then after the season when you're fed, We'll go to the spa and you can feel really nice and then we'll make the decision. If you don't want to do it, I think that's totally cool. Like, I really respect that and I'm so glad she said that because I did end up leaving the sport, but I did it knowing that I didn't – it wasn't even a quitting thing. I just needed to know that I had done it with a sound mind, having weighed the pros and cons, and so I think not making big decisions long-term when you're in a dip Or when you're at a peak, Mm. just like when you're at neutral, um, is a great, great strategy for people.
0: Mm. That's so cool. I got to get your mom on the podcast.
1: Oh, you do. She's the best.
0: I love it, dude. So uh, interference, anything – and I'll say the formula one more time for people who are not looking at it highlighted on a piece of paper like I am right now. So put performance equals potential minus interference – Anything else involving interference that we want to speak to? And if not, any other part of the uh, book that you feel it would make sense to also throw into our conversation?
1: Sure. I mean, one of the things that uh, people really, I think, connect with that I share around that is a concept called creative avoidance, which is just the idea. It's not procrastination, right? It's for high achievers. Often we keep ourselves busy doing tasks that are kind of on the periphery of the thing that actually would make a difference. So usually the things we fear, as you know, are the things that are most meaningful to us, right? We wouldn't be scared of them if we didn't really want them. And so oftentimes we do things like in business, for example, sometimes like when people get started, they'll spend a lot of time on their website or tweaking their logo or kind of doing things where they don't actually get feedback about anything, but they feel safe. Mm -hmm. And so they might be working 12 hour days, they're just not, there's no chance to fail at the things they're doing, so it moves really, really slowly. Versus just going and asking for a sale, right? Like that's the most direct thing you can do in entrepreneurship often. But you have a guaranteed response of some sort. And so when there's something that you're that you're fearing and you find yourself creatively avoiding, um, that's really the game is how can I – what is the most direct action that I could take to get some sort of feedback? And that's why following the fear is such a productive strategy often because usually the things – that would scare us are going to lead us to the things that are the quickest, most fulfilling uh, paths that we can take towards the things that we want to create in our life. And so, um, you know, creative avoidance is just a strategy of little you, right, to connect it all together. We have fear, little you gets triggered, and then we creatively avoid, we kind of go crazy. And so the biggest thing you can do to help that is exactly what we've been talking about, create space. Because creative avoidance operates through busyness. It wants you to keep running around doing low leverage things and not see and actually make yourself do the most meaningful, most important task. But if you create some space, and for for me, the best way I've seen is through some sort of morning ritual, you know, the first 60 to 90 minutes of your day, meditation, working out, journaling, you know, kind of hitting those three main areas of your mind, like your intellectual self, your physical self, and your emotional or spiritual self, just creating that space to start the day um, can really, really help with that. Because then when you go to dive in and you're really assessing what's the, what's the thing I need to do next, what's the next scary step, uh, you've actually had the space to, to see it, be uncomfortable with it, and then still make a game plan to confront it.
0: So good, dude. Um, this is amazing. I love the love where your head's at, love what you're sharing. Anything else that we didn't get to that you'd want to bring into the conversation today?
1: No. I mean, we'd, we just covered a ton. I would say for people, you know, on to go off of that last point to just make it into an action, what's one thing that you've been avoiding? You know, one thing that you kind of already know. Okay, I've kind of been hiding from this, and if I did it, it could really make a difference. Um, in me being able to live out, you know, the person that I am. And then one kind of ritual, one thing that you could install into your life and do on a consistent basis that would help create the space you need to support doing that scary action and more like it in the future. And I think if people do that, they're going to be really, it'll really bolster their inner game, which is going to flow out into all the results, the outcomes, the money, the the girls that we've been talking about that they want um, tangibly because they'll already be coming from a place of being whole.
0: Mm, I love that. Um, such good stuff. Guys, if you are digging the conversation and you'd like to dive deeper into Greg's work, his new book, Don't Let the Fear Win, is available on Amazon. If you're like me and don't love big Bible-type books, well, you're in luck because this is a quick read, uh, super dense with wisdom, and um, you can grab that. Uh, Greg, if people want to stay in touch with you or, or follow your work besides getting the book, what might be the best way for them to do that?
1: Everything's on my site, gregfaxon.com. And you can actually get a free chapter of the book if you just want to test it out, dip your toe in at gregfaxon.com download. That's very entrepreneurially
0: entrepreneurial of you. Just test it out. Yeah, just try the book yeah, out. Just you don't try need to commit it. And then to I'll it.
1: kind of put you into a funnel and we'll kind of just, you know, it'll be <laughs>
0: fine. We'll just kind of get you on the list. <laughs> yeah. I love it, dude. Awesome. Uh, thanks for taking the time to be here today.
1: Uh, thanks for having me, Jacob. It was a blast.
0: Thanks so much for rocking with us. If you dug today's interview, I'd love if you'd be game to share it with somebody in your real life. You can share it on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, wherever, but also with someone who you think might benefit directly from it. And one last thing, we've got some really exciting things happening in the near future. I'm gearing up to implement some new ways and fun opportunities to help you transform your life with what we spoke about today and some other goodness in the near future. And so in order to make sure that you get the down low on how to rock with us, what I'd love for you to do is head on over to Sensify.com and make sure that you're subscribed to the newsletter. So that's S-E-N-S-O. PHY.com and I will share with you the most ballistic, behind-the-scenes, absolute dopeness that will hopefully light up your day, and also some great opportunities to engage with our community to get support in making these meaningful changes that we spoke about today. So, sensify.com, sign up for the newsletter, and feel free to shoot me a personal email after you sign up as you will get the opportunity to reply to my email when you do that. So much love. Looking forward to talking soon. Thanks for rocking with us. Have yourself a dope day. Later.